Warning, the 619 Crimes podcast contains topics like violence, drug use, and suicide. Please consider this while listening today. Thank you. Betty Broderick. 22-year-old John Ernest. 34-year-old Sean Nelson. Kara Knott. 16-year-old Brenda Spencer. 29-year-old Ali Nasser Abulabon. This is 619 Crimes Podcast, where every Wednesday, we bring you short crime stories that took place in San Diego. I am your host, Al Rodriguez. What's up, everyone? We have official merch for the show. Every purchase will help us bring you better shows. I really want to keep improving and I need to take more time to make the show. So the more purchases you guys make, the more time I'll be able to invest on the show. So if you would like to support, visit 619crimes.store and get your merch. Thank you so much. What's up everyone? Today's case took place in 2010. San Diego in 2010 was much different than now. The San Diego Chargers went 9-7 that year with Nerf Turner as the head coach. The song TikTok by Kesha was the number one song on the billboards in San Diego that year. And on April 4th that year, there had been a massive 7.2 earthquake that really shook up the whole city. That's the San Diego we have to go back to in order to look at this case. Let's get to it. Joseph McStay owned and operated a business named Earth Inspired Products. The company designed interior decorative fountains. Joseph was making great money for his family. His wife, Summer McStay, was a real estate agent. The couple had two young boys, Gianni, age three, and Joseph Matteo, age two. Joseph always made time for his family. Everyone that knew the couple told the media that they were great parents. The family would take regular vacations and took constant trips to the beach. They lived in San Clemente, California. But in late 2009, they moved to Fallbrook, California in North County, San Diego. They bought a fixer-upper and the couple was excited to renovate the house and make it their dream home to raise their boys. On February 3rd, 2010, a friend of theirs came over to paint their new home. That turned out to be the last time anyone saw them alive. The next day on February 4th, the McStays were having a normal morning. That morning, Joseph took their 1996 white Isuzu Trooper to a business meeting he had in Rancho Cucamonga with Charles Chase Merritt. Charles was a welder that worked for Joseph. At 7.47 p.m., CCTV footage shows the bottom of a car that cops believe to be the white trooper. At 8.28 p.m., a call from Joseph's cell phone was made to Charles's phone, and it went straight to voicemail. Charles later told police that he was watching a movie when he called. However, when cops tracked his phone, 
it showed that his phone had pinned off of a tower in Fallbrook. That was the last call ever made from Joseph's phone. Four days later on the 8th, the McStay's family car, the White Trooper, was towed in San Isidro at a shopping center. The next day, a co-worker was very concerned that they hadn't heard anything from the couple. So he went to their home, and all he saw was the two family dogs in the backyard. He didn't see anything weird or out of place, so he took off. But after more than a week, Joseph's brother, Mike, drove to the McStay's house. He was concerned, so he looked for a way into the house. He found a window that was cracked open, so he crawled in. In the house, he didn't see anything out of place, and he saw that the two dogs had a lot of food on their bowls. So Mike figured that his brother had asked someone to dog sit them. So he left a note with his number and took off. Later that day, he got a call from a 760 number. Mike quickly answered the phone, hoping it was his brother. It turned out to be a man from animal control. He was the one who left all the dog food there because the dogs had been reported to be left out without food by a neighbor. That's when Mike knew something was wrong. So on February 15th, 2010, he called the police and reported the family missing. Four days later, the cops had gotten a search warrant, and they went into the home. There was no murder scene inside, and no signs of any break-in. But a lot of things were left out, like the family left in a hurry. They found a carton of eggs on the kitchen counter and two small bowls of popcorn on the sofa. They didn't find any evidence that showed where or why they left. So the cops then turned their attention to the impounded car. They also didn't find any signs of foul play in the car. But since it was left by the border, the cops were worried that the McStay family was in Mexico. The cops started to investigate. They found CCTV footage from the walking border crossing going into Mexico, and it showed a family that looked very similar to the McStays. The couple on the video even had two young boys with them that looked to be the same age as Gianni and Joseph Mateo. The timestamp on the video was at 7 p.m. on February 8, 2010. That was about two hours after the trooper had been parked at the strip mall in San Isidro. The cops showed the video to the family members of the McStays. Some family members thought it was the McStays, but some didn't think so. The family told police that the couple had over $100,000 in their account. If they had decided to go away to Mexico, they would have taken that money with them. The cops still believed that the McStays had gone to Mexico, though. So they reached out to Interpol and told them to be on the lookout for the McStays. However, Joseph's passport hadn't been used in months before his disappearance or after, and Summer's passport was expired. The kids didn't even have passports. The cops looked into the couple's background and they found that Summer had changed her name multiple times during her life. It gave the cops a theory that maybe Summer was the one responsible for the disappearance, but no evidence of this was ever found. With no leads, the cops searched the McStay's computer. They found some searches that raised some eyebrows, like what documents do children need to travel to Mexico? And also, they googled Spanish classes which added to the cops' theory that the family left to Mexico. The cops had nothing else for more than two years. Nothing came out of the investigation. 
until they started to look at the last person that saw Joseph alive that February 4th, 2010, Charles Merritt. When they looked into his background, they found a couple of arrests for burglary and for theft of $32,000 worth of welding tools. The cops had done a polygraph test on Charles when they first questioned him in 2010, but he passed the test. In April of 2013, the San Diego Sheriff's Department turned the case over to the FBI. More than half a year later, a dirt bike rider was riding in the San Bernardino's Mojave Desert, about an hour away from Fallbrook. He found human remains in two shallow graves. He called the police to report it right away. They also found a hammer in one of the graves. The cops sent in the remains for DNA testing. It took two days to get the results, and it was a match. It confirmed that one of the graves had Joseph and Joseph Mateo in it, while the other had Summer and Gianni inside of it. They all suffered skull fractures. The San Bernardino authorities classified the case as a homicide. They believed that the murder took place in their home, but that's all that was made public. That's when the cops started to take another look at Charles Merritt. On November 5, 2014, the San Diego Sheriff's Department arrested Charles for the murder of the McStays. When the cops had looked into Charles' cell phone records, it showed his phone had been located near the location where the McStays were found on February 6, 2010. They also found DNA in the family trooper. They also found evidence of check fraud committed by Charles with fake signatures from his business account, all after Joseph had gone missing. It totaled more than $21,000. Charles used that money to gamble in casinos in San Diego. His trial was delayed for more than five years. The trial finally began on January 7, 2019. During the hearings, the DA claimed that Charles' motive was simply just greed. One of Joseph's business partners named Daniel, who was in charge of the online business, was looked into by the cops, and records had shown that soon after the disappearance of Joseph, money was taken out of the business account. But it was proven that Charles had taken that money, and Daniel had done nothing wrong. Daniel did tell the cops that Joseph was about to fire Charles. The defense team for Charles claimed that there was no evidence that Charles killed the McStays, and that Charles would never hurt his best friend. On June 10, 2019, after a four-month trial, Charles was found guilty. Two weeks later, the jury recommended the death penalty. The judge agreed, and Charles Merritt was sentenced to death for the murder of Joseph, Summer, Gianni, and Joseph Mateo. In his sentencing, Charles addressed the McStay family and told them that he didn't commit those crimes. Joseph's mother dismissed Charles, and she told the media that Charles is a low-life baby killer. Charles is currently incarcerated in San Quentin. What's up, everyone? We have official merch for the show. Every purchase will help us bring you better shows. I really want to keep improving, and I need to take more time to make the show. So the more purchases you guys make, the more time I'll be able to invest on the show. So if you would like to support, visit 619crimes.store and get your merch. Thank you so much. 
for the show is created by Salvador Morales and hosted by me, Al Rodriguez. Please leave us a review on whatever platform you use so we can get the show in front of more people. We also ask that you click the share button and share with a friend. It will really help us. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at 619 Crimes Pod. This has been the 619 Crimes Podcast. See you guys next Wednesday. Peace.